Hi everyone, and welcome to the Healthier You podcast, where we talk to healthcare professionals about all things health and wellness. I'm your host, Andrew Barton, and today our special guest is Alice Hislop from All Sports Indrapilly. Welcome back, Alice, for episode two, and uh, looking forward to diving into discussing some of the great ways that we can manage osteoarthritis. So how do you find uh, the best way to manage osteoarthritis in, in your patients that you see? Yeah. So when we're managing osteoarthritis, we've kind of got two aims. And the first one would be to reduce our symptoms. And the second would be to improve joint function. So we know osteoarthritis is irreversible itself, but that doesn't mean we can't change someone's symptoms. So we're really looking for decrease in pain and increase in function. When we look at osteoarthritis management, we look at a three-tiered management treatment plan. So the first tier being exercise, education and weight loss where appropriate, the second tier being passive treatments and the third tier being um, our joint replacements. So exercise would be the most important aspect of those three? Yeah, it definitely is. So I see it all the time in the clinic. People come in with hip or knee osteoarthritis and they assume, oh, I have osteoarthritis, I automatically will need a total hip replacement or a total knee replacement at some point. Um, However, interestingly, actually only 10 to 15% of people who have hip and knee OA actually go on to get a hip and knee joint replacement. So the question is, what do the other 85% of people do? And the answer is that exercise education and weight loss. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize the numbers were so high. Yeah, it is. And we definitely see it. I think people assume that that's their destiny. And I'm not saying you won't end up getting a knee replacement or a hip replacement, but um, what is really important is that doing that conservative management of tier one and tier two um, of exercise, education and losing weight if it's appropriate is your best bet and your best way to avoid any surgical intervention. Okay, cool. And is there any specific exercise that uh, you utilise in clinic or you prescribe to patients um, to help with their osteoarthritis? Yeah, definitely. So, When we look at exercise, the type of exercise we want to look at is something we call neuromuscular exercise. So that kind of helps from two points of view. We look at um, strength exercises to make the muscles stronger, so such as the quads, the hamstrings and the hip muscles. This helps distribute the load throughout the whole knee and not just the cartilage and helps protect that knee joint as well, but actually the coordination of muscles. So it's looking at getting the right muscles on at the right time. So this is talking about knee alignment and how we do the exercises. So in a program for hip and knee osteoarthritis, I'd include exercises such as um, knee extensions or leg extensions, um, leg curls, but then also more functional exercises such as step-ups and squats or sit-to-stands. And then as well as putting in an exercise that we would call a slide, which is looking at functional load on the knees for going up and down stairs as well. All right. And does slide stand for anything? No, it's just the name of the exercise that I call it. But what we look at is we look at loading the leg um, single leg load basically. So it's really important for the functional, I guess, capacity for going up the stairs and making sure our knee alignment's appropriate and then going downstairs and making sure our knee alignment's appropriate or up and downhill as well. Okay, cool. And so I guess it's really important from your aspect, this is what I'm picking up, that um, addressing those functional 
um, problems or deficits that a patient might experience? Yeah, that is. so, And then that's what people come in saying. They say, I can't go up and down stairs. I can't kneel on the floor. I have trouble getting into a, a high car or I have trouble getting up from a chair. So that's, I guess, the function that we want to improve the most. And while strength exercises is really important for that, we need to actually look at the functional capacity too. And would you actually go and look at a patient, get up into their car or up and down stairs in clinic? Yeah, I definitely have. Our clinic stairs get used a lot (laughs) because just changing how someone moves is a really big factor. So for example, sometimes we can just make someone lean forward more or not let their knee go as far forward um, and that can change their pain. Or use a simple cue as, you know, put the weight through your heel and that changes their pain and it can make an instant functional difference in their lives. Wow. So sometimes just a little cue or a little change can make a big difference. Yeah, it can be as easy as that. Fantastic. And were there any other things um, exercise-wise that you utilise to help with OA? Yeah. So I think understanding like how exercise helps and why it helps with osteoarthritis is really important. And I'm a big believer of, you know, the osteoarthritis is my patient's condition. So they it's really important for them to understand why they've got it and how they're going to help it so that they can maximise the self-management of the disease as well. So there's probably two main reasons of how exercise helps. So the first is that in addition to cartilage being a neural, which is no nerve supply we spoke about before, it's also a vascular, which means it has no blood supply. So that means that the cartilage doesn't get its nutrients from the blood, but it gets its nutrients from synovial fluid. And to get these nutrients, we need dynamic loading. So that's cycles of load and unload through um, cycling or walking. The cartilage then acts like a sponge, absorbing the fluid as it's cycled through. So this is one of the big reasons that inactivity is a greater risk factor for osteoarthritis than any form of exercise. And it's because if we don't move, if we don't um, cycle and load that knee joint or that hip joint, our cartilage doesn't get any nutrients. And what is synovial fluid? So synovial fluid is the fluid that sits within um, the knee joint and the hip joint. Okay, cool. And so I'm guessing it acts like a bit of a lubricant for the knee? Yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it. So it acts as a lubricant with it and then also um, it delivers the nutrients to the cartilage as well. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So the other way that exercise really helps with knee osteoarthritis is that it helps improve the support around the knee joint. So we know that we can't actually change the condition of the cartilage. You know, to date, we have no good ways of regenerating the cartilage or replacing the cartilage itself. But what we know that we can do is we can increase the strength in our joints and improve the neuromuscular alignment, which helps spread the load throughout the knee and it takes the pressure off the cartilage and that can lead to decreasing people's pain and increasing their function. Okay. So really trying to control the controllable factors, I guess, um, given that you know that it's aneural, it's avascular, and that there is some change over time as you get a bit older, which you can't really change, can you? Yeah. And I think that's a really good way to describe it is that I get a lot of people come in and they say, oh, I've got an EOA, there's nothing I can do. And I can't, I stand there and go, no, that actually there's a lot you can do. We just need to make sure we focus on what we can change, which is we can make that knee stronger. We can nourish that cartilage better and we can understand the disease better as well, which will help people self-manage. Yeah, cool. And from your point of view as a, as a physiotherapist, do you really try and focus on the education and the understanding side of things 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. And I think that's people turn up expecting to get an exercise program and that's a really important part of it. But the education, I think, goes a really, really long way into people doing well because if they can understand why they should be doing something, they'll commit to it. Unfortunately, exercise doesn't work if you don't do it. So if people can understand why they'll do it and what's okay to do and what's not okay, then that's a really good prognostic outcome for their recovery. The other thing too is for them to understand when it's okay to push it and it's okay not to push it. If someone says to me, I love playing tennis, it makes me three out of 10 sore the next day, but I'm not bothered and tennis is really, really important to me. I'm not going to stop them. Um, So it's about them understanding their disease so they can make the best choices. And does that education process, uh, does it just happen in the first session or does it happen across the, the whole time you might be looking after a patient? Yeah, I would say generally across the time, you know, um, it's definitely something I will hone in on the first session and get some lot, but it's a lot of information to take on. And um, as people then apply that information to their own life, they'll come up with more specific questions. So we can kind of delve in a little bit further and make sure that their treatment plan is really individualized for them as well. Okay, great. So Alice, does weight increase your risk of developing osteoarthritis? Yeah, so weight is a really important factor and something that I think we need to talk about a little bit more because it can be really significant in helping reduce people's pain and improving their function. So we know that normally walking around, our knee joint is loaded with at least two to three times our body weight. So that's even more when we're going up and down stairs. So if you can imagine a knee that sore, the more we weigh, the more it's going to get loaded. So the more load that's going to go through it and the sore it could potentially be. So overweight does increase how much load goes through our knee and it does increase um, the risk factors for osteoarthritis. However, what I think is really important for people to understand is that a really small change in weight is really effective. So for every kilo that you lose, the load is reduced by two to three times your body weight. Wow. So people often sit there and go, oh, I've got to lose 10 kilos, I've got to lose 20 kilos. And I'll say, no, just focus on losing one because that can actually make a huge difference in your pain and your function. Yeah, that's a lot, isn't it? Two to three times. Yeah, And is it something that you say to a patient, um, if it hurts going up and down stairs, do you say avoid stairs, don't go up and down stairs? Yeah, no, that's not something we we often we often will look at. So there's a few different options when something hurts. So we've kind of got three different strategies we can use. One is that we can stop. So sometimes we avoid things, but what we see with that is that it often leads to inactivity, which we know can worsen our symptoms of knee osteoarthritis. The second um, option is to modify. So how can we modify how we go up? And that's what I was talking about before. We can often make some really little changes such as push through your heel, let's use the rail, um, let's lean forward um, to go up that makes it better. Or how can we break up that task? So if you're finding that you're going up and down the stairs 10 times in an hour because um, you have to do washing and cleaning and, you know, just going up and down your house and that makes your knee sore, how can we break that up and change it so you go up five times one day and five times the next day and that might not equate to pain? Okay. So would you suggest getting your partner to do all the work then for you? Yep, definitely all of the washing and cleaning. Excellent. Yep. And if someone experiences pain with osteoarthritis, what, uh, from your physiotherapy perspective, what can they do to manage their pain? 
Yeah. So there's a lot of different factors. So if we go back to that treatment pyramid that we talk about with knee osteoarthritis, the first here is exercise education and weight loss. And we do know that exercise itself is effective in decreasing pain. So um, I will explore, you know, the frequency of which exercise is done with people. But if that tier itself is not effective in managing an individual's pain, we then look to add in tier two, which is our passive intervention. So this includes anything and everything from physiotherapy, medication, injections, orthotics, um, braces, and everyone's tier two will look really different. But that's a really good way to get some pain relief and allow us to then do our exercise um, and, you know, continue that strengthening of that knee as well. Okay. And you listed off a lot of cool things then. And um, if I can touch back on the bracing side of things, is that so that's something that your physio will be able to help you with deciding on which one of those um, components will be more suitable to you? Yeah, definitely. And it definitely should be an individual choice and an, um, an individual assessment because the evidence we have is not enough to say that everyone with knee away should have a brace or everyone right. with hip away should be wearing a brace. However, it's not that they don't work. So for some people, they will work and for some people, they won't. And your physiotherapist is the perfect person to chat about whether or not trialing one is would be effective or whether it will help you and your symptoms. Okay. And if you had um, osteoarthritis, would it be worthwhile seeing your physio therapist first or your GP first? It's definitely something that I would probably head towards the physiotherapist because they're going to use a clinical diagnosis. So the reason using a clinical diagnosis is helpful is it helps direct our treatment plan. Whereas probably when we go straight to the GP, they'll send us for an x-ray. And whilst that can be useful, um, as if you're for conservative management, you're going to end up at the physiotherapist anyway. Okay. And does pain relief play a role in... Um in allowing you to exercise or in that whole spectrum of you seeing someone? Yeah, definitely. So that falls into that tier two category. So I have heaps of people who will take either paracetamol or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. The evidence behind our paracetamol, which is things such as Panadol, is that it does help reduce people's pain and increase their function. Um, NSAIDs, which stands for non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and things such as Mobic and Voltaren, helps decrease people's pain but doesn't actually increase their function. So they do play a role, particularly when pain is stopping people moving. And I understand that, you know, people come in with osteoarthritis and I'll start talking about exercise and how they have to move. And they look at me going, but it hurts to move. Like, how am I going to get there? So um, it's not just push through it, you know, forget about the pain, but it's using the passive interventions to allow us to exercise because exercise gives far better pain relief and improves functional outcomes far better than paracetamol or NSAIDs do. Yeah. With the exercise as well, it's important to start at an individual level, you know, not everyone's fitness is the same. And so not everyone's going to start at the same level. We have what we call in physiotherapy graded exposure. So, um, you know, we wouldn't tell someone to go run a marathon when they've run zero kilometers before. We're not going to jump straight into exercise when you've never exercised before. So that gradual increase is really important as well. Okay. Would you say, Alice, that if someone was coming in to, to see you, say, tomorrow at, at Indrapilly, what would they be coming to expect from you in terms of a treatment and an assessment if they, were, um, if they thought that they might have osteoarthritis? 
Yeah, definitely. So the first thing that we normally do is spend time having a bit of a conversation about their knee. And this is what we call a subjective assessment. So um, this lets the patient tell me what's bothering them. So it's really important because it'll help us identify their goals. And that's really one of the key things because that's what we're working towards is the patient's goals. It'll also help me identify things such as risk factors um, and things we can change and do and what makes someone sore and what makes someone feel better and understand them as an individual. We'll then move on to have a look at what a bit of a physical assessment or an objective assessment. So this could include things as watching someone walk, watching someone squat, going up and down the stairs, having a look at their range of movement, their muscle strength, seeing what is physically contributing to their knee pain. Then in terms of treatment, obviously education is a huge one, but definitely that patients come in because their knee is sore or their hip is sore. So actually giving them some pain relief is really important. So I will try hands-on methods such as something called a joint glide or soft tissue relief. Um, I will often try taping as well. I find that can be really effective to give someone some pain relief as well and then starting them on um, some exercises generally. If I think it's appropriate, I'll always try and start them as early as possible because we know it's what's most effective in reducing someone's pain. Starting the exercises early? Well, we know exercise as a whole is better than any of the other passive treatments at reducing someone's pain if we can provide them with an appropriate way to do it. Okay. Great. Um, I know I've got a lot out of today, but do you think, Alice, you'd be able to give our listeners maybe three key take-home either exercises or little tips that you want want them to, to go away with? Yeah, sure. So I think the first one would be that exercise, education and weight loss where appropriate is the first line treatment for knee osteoarthritis. And I think it's really pivotal in helping people self-manage their knee and hip osteoarthritis. But also we know that it's most effective in decreasing people's pain and increasing people's function. The second, that weight loss is really appropriate and can really help people with hip and knee away, but only small weight loss is needed to be effective. So Um, You don't need to feel overwhelmed with, you know, I need to lose a lot of weight, but losing a kilo can actually decrease the load through your knee by two to three times your body weight. And then the final is that all exercise programs should be individualized to the patient or to the person, but um, we would expect the person's exercise program to include neuromuscular exercise, which will be things such as strength exercises, um, as well as functional exercises, such as step-ups, squats, and things that look at the knee alignment as well. So I know you said that they should be individualized, but is there any um, group programs or classes available for people who have uh, osteoarthritis? Yeah, there is. There's a program called GLAD, which stands for Good Living Arthritis Denmark. Um, And it started over in Denmark in about 2013. They started researching and collecting data and they created a six-week exercise and education program that includes that neuromuscular exercise as well as education. And it works really well for a few reasons. One is that it's the most evidence research-based program out there. So it's a program that we can sit here and really comfortably say it works because we've got evidence from 2013 all the way through to 2020 to say that it's decreasing people's pain and it's increasing their functional outcome as well. The other practical thing I like from my point of view, though, is it's a six-week program. So I kind of describe it to patients as a springboard to get them into exercising long-term for their knee and their hip. You know, exercise is, it's like brushing your teeth. You can't do it once and then you're good to go. You do have to keep doing it. But 
but that can be individualized to your routine and your lifestyle. And so it'll look different person to person, but having a six week program where you're supervised. So you know that the technique is appropriate and that the prescription is appropriate is a really good way to springboard you into doing some more self-management for your hip and knee away as well. Yep. And the last thing I love about it is that it has two dedicated education sessions in it. So I think actually valuing education about hip and knee OA so much that you have two sessions where you just talk about it and we try and engage and, I guess, um, empower our patients to look after their knee and hip themselves is really, really effective. Yeah, it sounds like a fantastic program. Yeah, definitely is. So, Alice, thank you very much for joining us uh, this afternoon and really appreciate all of your expertise and information that you've given us about osteoarthritis. And I'm um, certainly going to be taking a lot of that away to impart on my patients. But thank you once again. No worries, Andrew. 